share with you all um some of you went online Friday but um yes. my son's parole officer gave him um non supervisional after just six months and I'm just Praise so grateful God. that was the best first birthday present I could have received. Yes. yes. And I'm just yes. so grateful for that. Know it. And yes. Yes. And for all the birthday wishes, thank you all so very, very much. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everyone. Katina. Good morning. Hi, Katina. Good morning. Yes. Praise God, Miss Paulette. That's awesome. You know, we are so thankful that, that, you know. Yes. This this week I had a chance to talk with, like, a couple of people uh, in – even in uh, uh, Raleigh, I talked about this very same thing, Miss uh, Colette. A lot yes. of times, uh, you know, when these families, uh, you know, are not there to receive their sons, receive their husbands, receive their dad, mm-hmm. the dads have no place to go, and they just end up back in the cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, right. uh, you know, the thing is, like, you know, um, the 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 beauty uh, of this is uh, is your love for Ryan and God sees your heart yeah. and He wants to bless you. You know mm-hmm. when we when you put like a one foot towards that direction, He's putting hundred towards you. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh man. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I don't know if y'all heard. If y'all heard, Katina mm-hmm. was trying to get on. She's on. She's on. Oh. Yes, I'm. I'm here, Mom. Okay. Any other praise item for this week? I do have one, you know, um, you know, as, as soon as everyone finishes, I'll go through mine for sure. All right, wonderful. Um, this week is just like a one after the other. Um, it's an amazing. The conference has uh, been muted. Amazing testimony for me is that uh, the power of prayer, uh, and uh, uh, what just amazes me is how closer we the conference are to has God been unmuted, and how His heart is just listening to every word that comes out of our mouth. Yes. Yeah. Um, earlier this week, right on Monday, Monday afternoon, um, this was a holiday, right, because uh, of um, um, you know Martin Luther. Um, Day. And that um, the thing is that the whole weekend was just amazing um, with uh, 
Did the career we talked about, like a ticking off the five and two, and then Sunday morning, and then the whole Sunday and Monday was just like a packed with like a lot of things to be done. And by Monday afternoon, I had like an interview with the radio station. And uh, the, the thing is that when I was about to go into the interview, I just felt like this this chillness and fever, and my head was just like a really heavy. Uh, but it, it, it was just like a radio interview, so I just finished it, and then I went to bed, and that was it. It was just like a flat, uh, you know, uh, the body was just not ready to move, and uh, my, my brain stopped working kind of like that. You know, you just feel like a um, your, your energy is not there to even move, mm-hmm. and uh, and so um, the thing is, um, the very next day, um, you know, the 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 thing is, uh, I had a meeting actually on Wednesday to to meet with uh, uh, some of the leaders in uh, in Raleigh to to talk, talk about this. Uh, the prison arrangement, that they, the beginning of that, you know, movement of those prisons. And, and so the thing is this, that every symptom that I had was pointing me to COVID. <clears throat> um, all the chills and the body pain and everybody complains that it's pretty much the same thing. And so yeah, I called uh, Ms. Sarah, and I, I know Miss Susan was there uh, praying, and many of you yeah. prayer warriors prayed. My, my ask at that point is, uh, you know, God, this cannot be COVID, uh, because if I'm tested positive, um, you know, that meeting that was put together was just like an arrangement that that's like so uniquely made, where one of the congressmen, U.S. congressmen, is in town. Um, the session is happening and the commissioner of prison is free. All these th- things come together. It's just like so tightly arranged. And so there's no way I could have a COVID, right? And the saints started to pray, and, and I, I go for testing. Every symptom out there pointed to, uh, you know, Omicron, but the, the, the test came negative, right? I was just like a praising God, saying, oh, my God, you know, if if I, if it was COVID, there's no way that meeting can happen, right? This is mm-hmm. so critical. This next thing is, I need to get out of my bed because you know I'm still very uh, the the fever is still there, uh, and uh, you know body pain is still real. It's so the the saints started to pray. Dr. Liz prayed. Ms. Sarah, Ms. Colette. I mean, so many of you. Just like a carry, this is why this mission and this ministry is so critical. Without prayer, this ministry cannot survive or sustain. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is that you know the travel to go back to rally is about three hours the next day. And when I actually got on the car uh, the next day to start to drive, my body was as normal as any time before. And I went there, my, my fever, you know, went down, my cold went down. Um, you know, I was able to go there and do the meeting. It was one of the amazing meetings that uh, we had. And um, 
<clears throat> not only that, you know, the Commissioner of Prisons wants to expand Proverbs 2 to 6 to all the 55 prisons. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are only in nine prisons. And so the beginning of a mass deployment of Proverbs 2 to 6 will begin on February the 4th. And, and, and the thing is that it, at that point, you know, our access to all the prisons are opened. Um, and then not only that, he opened the doors to just to speak to the, the leaders just like him in 18 different states that are coming together in Asheville. And they're going to have a platform for Proverbs 2 to 6. Uh, to be, you know, um, you know, looked over at least, uh, given a chance for all the secretaries of states of those 18 states to look at what we are doing in in Proverbs 2 to 6. So I just praise and thank God for the warriors who never gives up whenever there is a prayer comes into this line, whenever there is a prayer comes into that prayer line. Oh, the people that jump in, Anita and Laurie and everybody jumps in, um, you know, Colette, uh, uh, Sarah. This is, this is the act of righteousness that God is pleased with. And I'm just so thankful for all of you, you know, for carrying uh, this week the mission. You all actually are part of that, you know, the, the groundbreaking events that happen at this point in time. Scott. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning for such an amazing time as this. God, I pray that uh, you will speak to us today through the words, Father God, that we're going to read. And also, Father God, make this morning's meditation personal to us, Lord, that we would just like to consume out of this word. Father God, just uh, as the word says, Father God, we want to spend for the gospel and to be spent for the gospel. Father God, when we are down and we need help and we need a source to hold on to. Father God, we wanted to spend. And Father God, if someone needs to hear your voice, Father God, help us to, to spend, be spent for the gospel. God, this morning I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters on this line that are listening to Father God, that you will just like to put your arms around us. And just like embrace us, Father God. Don't just leave us, Father God. Uh, Father God, in, in moments like, uh, you know, what Mr. Brenda talked about. And this morning as, as we lift up, Father God, Mr. George, into your hands. Uh, and the heaviness of his heart, Father God, be lightened this morning. As we lift him up, Father God, before you, let his heart lighten, Father God. Let his heart start to heal, Father God. Let him see that you are closer to him this morning. God, I just praise you 
for all of us, Father God, that are in this line, that how you, Father God, are taking care of every one of our needs. And even right now, Father God, let your words come out with clarity. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. Today morning we will go into the Abrahamic covenant. So what, what have we done so far? We have, we have looked at the Edenic covenant, which is what happened in the first few chapters in Genesis. Then in the, uh, right around the third chapter, when, uh, you know, Adam falls apart and eats the apple, then, uh, you know, God comes and redeems him. And the term redemption, I just like to realize this week, I heard, uh, you know, Francis Chan talk about this. Uh, and, and the way in which he explained the redemption was just like so beautiful. He said like, uh, you know, when you have like these cans, like the Coke cans, right? After you drink the Coke can, you actually throw the cans out, right? But if you actually look at those cans or bottles, uh, if you look around and you would see a redeemable value, there is a value given for that empty, broken, or, you know, those, uh, the, those containers have a redeemable value. So for somebody, it might be just like a throwaway stuff. When we, when we do something wrong and we fall short, uh, we are probably like that empty can can be thrown away. But God has a redeemable value on every one of us, right? He has a price that he's willing to pay even when, when the whole world throws us down the drain. He still has a redeemable value for you and me. He wants to redeem us. He wants to pay price even though there is nothing left in that can. He just wants to buy us with his blood. And that's what Jesus did on the rugged cross. That's what God was doing to Abraham, I'm sorry, Adam. He was trying to buy him out of the hands of the enemy. He could have been, he could have been held by the enemy when, when he ate that apple. God wanted to redeem him out of that situation. Then we saw like a Noahic covenant, how God just like used Noah last week to just like, you know, save him, refrain or restrain just that one family. He was just trying to see, how can I just like save my people? Oh, these guys are so um, ridiculously doing wrong things. And God says, no, no, no. I still want to figure out a way to just like cleanly separate and get somebody. And then the time moves on. The people... You know, God saves and the, uh, the Noah and his generation, and the people came out of it. There was a period in time God never spoke. We have no idea how many years went by. But here's what we know, that between Noah and Abraham's time, the people were getting into more wickedness. In fact, the chapter that we are going to read today, it's going to be from Genesis chapter 12. But Genesis chapter 11 talks about how the people wanted to build a tower, Tower of Babel. They just wanted to build 
a step that can go all the way to heaven so they can go up and down and they just were like a doing a name for themselves and God was just like really after all these things you guys cannot even imagine like a, you know how much I'm pouring into you and you are just like doing this very same thing again and again and again right and so he now wants to make a, a, a pact with, you know, a man of integrity, a man who can actually hold on to what he's talking about. And he wanted to have somebody who has a faith in, in him. There must have been something that God found in Abraham to have a covenant with Abraham. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 4. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. So, God has seen it all to like a Genesis 11, from Adam to Noah to the Babel, right? So, the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And the people and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And chapter, uh, verse 4. The, the covenant ends there, but the 4 is actually a very critical connecting point as well. In the verse 4 it says, So Abraham went. Right? As the Lord had told him. And, and the thing is this, right? There are a lot of lessons packaged in these verses. So let's see if we can unpack a little bit. We already saw there was like a problem with the people. We already saw like how they were trying to make a, a, a name for themselves, building the tower, and, and they were trying to do like a things that were so wicked that God could not tolerate. But how did he pick this guy named Abraham? Abraham. At this point, he's called Abraham, right? He's from Egypt. He's an idol worshiper. In fact, Abraham's father was actually, uh, uh, you know, was making idols and selling idols. That was his profession. He was just, uh, um, you know, soaked in, in idols, right? But Selling idols, selling these in, in shops like uh, Abraham's father and Abraham, they must have had like uh, all kinds of these, uh, the, the witchcraftish, um, you know, mechanisms and things like that. So over the period, they have become really wealthy, uh, well-established, right? Uh, Abraham is about 75 years old at this point. The only thing is he didn't have any kids. Right, and he was living with his father Terah and his cousin Lot and his family. In fact, if we go to the previous chapter, we can already start to see 
God giving introduction to Abraham and uh, Abraham and his family. But it, what, what one thing I found out, I don't know how many of you know, I always thought that Abraham had only two kids. Abraham had Isaac, and before that he had, you know, Hagar to, uh, you know, with Ishmael, right? I always thought Abraham only had like two kids. But during this course of study, I found out Abraham had actually eight kids in the end. Uh, the, the, the two, one from Hagar and one from Sarah. And then there were six other children that Genesis 25 is talking about with the, with the second wife, Keturah. Keturah, right? And so <clears throat> this whole journey that we're going to talk about today, you know, uh, is about like the covenant. We will talk about like a, why God chose Abraham for this covenant. And uh, also, what is in this covenant that wasn't there in the previous covenants? What is, what is that God wants to add here? God's been very specific when he gave the instructions to uh, Abraham. He says three things. Get out of your country. Leave, number two, leave your people and your household. Go to a land, I will show you. So, if, if I take this thing into today's terms, right? It's like a God telling Abraham, go ahead, hire a U-Haul truck, right? You, you, you're living in, in Egypt right now. You have a lot of things. But take only the ones that you really need for yourself, right? Uh, uh, along with your stuff, just like, uh, you know, pull up your family, your wife and, uh, you know, and uh, your livestock, whatever you want to take, whatever you can that you can fit into this big U-Haul, let's fit them in there because that's all you're going to get, like, a, you know, this one U-Haul, 20 feet long U-Haul, that's all you're going to get. So pack as much as you want into that U-Haul, right? And then God says, go, I'll tell you where later. Right? And the Bible says, so Abraham went. It's just amazing to me how a 75-year-old man can probably be approaching his retirement saying to God, that's all right, I'll drop everything and move. And, and, and the thing is this, a lot of times, you know, we, we think that, uh, oh, I, I have... I've really, I'm old, I just cannot, you know, do these things anymore. I'm not 20 again. God's not looking for someone with their own strength to accomplish. God is looking for the Abraham of this day. God is looking for the Abraham that would obey God to just like do exactly what he's telling us to do. God is not looking for like hundreds and thousands of people. God's looking for this one guy. And again, a pastor explained this. Uh, um, I was listening to him about, the, you know, why did God choose Abraham of all the people, right? So here is a pastor. He wanted to prove this point, right, about Abraham. So he blows a small balloon, and he was holding in his hand, 
and he stuck it on the wall, on the side of the wall, and he said, uh, he had a BB gun, and he asked the church, how many of you believe that I can actually shoot this balloon from this far, right? Pretty much everyone, nearly 80% of of the church raised their hands that their pastor can actually use the BB gun and shoot that balloon down that's on the other side of the wall, right? Then the next question that the pastor asked, how many of you would actually hold this balloon for me while I take the shot at that balloon? Now that 80% of that hands that was raised just like a went down to probably like a 20% of the people that still raised their hands. He said, like, I cannot even believe there are people who thought that they can actually hold the balloon for me to shot. Right? Then he asked this question, how many of you would hold this balloon on your teeth when I take the shot at that balloon? At this point, he was just like uh, expecting nobody to, to even raise their hands, but he found one guy raising the hands. So to make his point proven, he just like brought that guy to the stage. He gave the balloon to him, and he allowed him to hold the balloon out of his teeth, right? And he's holding the teeth, and then he's just looking at it. He just wants to make sure, like, you know, if this guy is real, or he's just like saying this because, you know, he asked him to answer a question, right? So he's just like looking at it, and while he looked at the balloon, this is just like a ridiculous what this pastor does. Hmm, I really actually can take a shot at this balloon. And he took a shot at that balloon, and it popped. But the guy never moved. And here's the thing, the point that the, the pastor is trying to make. That is Abraham. That's Abraham. That he would, he would stand out there even if it cost something. And, and the thing is that God's looking for the one who is loyal to him in that way. It would, even if it cost me something, I'm still going to stand out there because my God asked me to stand out there this morning. God is just opening our hearts and seeing if there are areas in our life where we have been, we have been mediocre. We've been like, you know, taking that, uh, you know, comfort zone. We've, we've lived in that place of like, a, oh, God, I will do this thing as long as I can take care of X, Y, and Z, and then I will come and take care of you, your tasks. Lord, I, I, I actually, Lord, let me pay all my bills first before I can write a tithe or offering to the church. God, God, let let me take care of these important things. You know, God, then, you know, I will find some time to do your work. That's the kind of attitude a majority of church has today. And that's why the pastors across this nation are struggling because 
20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. God's looking for the commitment from his people like Abraham. Because we're fighting an enemy who's relentless. We're fighting an enemy who, who is out there to kill and destroy. And, and that's the kind of person that God found in Egypt, that he knows, and he probably tested him. He's already seen Abraham at this point. I, I had a chance to be with a, a NASCAR owner, one of the NASCAR company owners, Joe Gibbs. And, uh, you know, he was saying, he, this was a couple of years ago, and he was 75. He was a, uh, he was a coach for... Uh, uh, Redskins, and um, and he has done it really well for himself, and uh, he has written books, uh, uh, and, and uh, some of the things that he has done, uh, he has taken everything that he had in his hand, and he has given it over to the people, and uh, this is what he said. He said, Cyril, I'm 75. I've finished three quarters really well. And I'm, I'm going to my fourth quarter. I just want to play my last 15 minutes well. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to kick and scream at the last 15 minutes uh, that uh, he has a chance to, you know, play. And this morning, I was just like uh, uh, online, uh, LinkedIn. I was uh, uh, watching one of the soccer players that just like uh, uh, caught my attention. This guy... This soccer player was was signed up for hundred uh, ten point two million dollars. An African American, uh, sorry, 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 an uh, African um, uh, soccer player. And when he was after signing his um, deal, and he was walking out, and he just saw uh, the people when they took a picture, they just saw that. Uh, uh, he had a cracked phone. He just signed a $10 million uh, a deal for his soccer, uh, uh, this thing. Uh, and uh, he had a cracked phone. And so the, the reporters asked him, how come you still have your cracked iPhone? And he said, like, when I grew up, I didn't have money to even go to school. I didn't have a chance to... Um, uh, uh, you know, have like a good house or a food. And now I have all these money. I cannot enjoy this money. I have enough for what I need. And I don't need luxury cars to prove myself that I'm rich. And he is giving every penny that he's receiving to the people of his own community. And I was just like amazed by how many people across this world, how many Abrahams are out there in this world today? And I'm just like a praising God for Abrahams like this who is just not, who is willing to give everything that they have in their hand. And that's what God saw in Abraham. And the thing is this, the God whom we serve is faithful. And that's why he's expecting us to be faithful. So who are the tenants who, who are going to be blessed by this, uh, by this covenant? And why should I pay attention to this? 
on a January morning uh, of 2022. Why? It is because God has this promise written for the land of Canaan. God is talking about the land, a promised land. There is a place that God says, that's mine. The land of Canaan is one of the tenants of this covenant. The second one is to applies to the Abraham's offsprings. Every one of Abraham's offsprings is going to be blessed. And the second, I mean the third one, is that this blessing we have to pay very closer attention to is because this blessing applies to you and me. This is an unconditional blessing that God has that, that is extended to everyone on this earth. So let's look at this. In fact, you know, um, Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 3, verses 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So this is not like a, the, the Mosaic covenant, or this is not like a, any one of those covenants. It is applied to the Jewish people. They, nobody can take a, you, you know, the ownership when it comes to this particular covenant because God wants to establish this across every one of us through Christ. Right? And so there are seven promises actually just like it shows up when we read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, there are seven promises. There are seven things that God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, seven times. Right? But if we have to just like a take that and just like a categorize them, if we just take them higher a little bit, here, the promises for the land, the promises for the nation, and there is a, a promise uh, of a blessing that God has. So those are three things that we will see today. The promise of the land. Because God says to Abraham, the land I will show you. Right? In fact, in the later part of this chapter, like after, after um, God gave this covenant to him, Abraham left from Egypt, he went to, towards the promised land. But there was a famine that came. There was like a, a, a period in time where nobody was able to survive. There was scarcity. Here, Abraham uh, has like a lot of connects in, in Egypt, but the, the land that he was going to, he didn't have many people that he knew about in that land. He didn't know how to survive for himself. So he came actually back to Egypt. He came running back to his comfort zone. He came back to where he went by, went from. And, and the thing is this, that's normal. We cannot judge Abraham by, by this actor because every time we are pushed to the corner, we, we have no idea how to survive on that new space that we are in. We don't know how to survive when we get a bad report from the doctor. We, we don't know how to survive when we lose everything that we have. We go back to our comfort zone. And God knows 
that we all have the tendency to go back to our comfort zone, to go back to where we are comfortable with. That's where grace comes into play. This whole covenant is a covenant of grace. God knows that every one of us, we are as normal as Abraham is, that we would actually go back even when, when, when we have all the good intentions. When we are sitting in a Bible study, we do everything right, but when we are pushed to the corner, we actually go back and see how we can help God. How we tend to, you know, give God a, a get out of the jail pastor. So God is talking to you and me this morning, very specifically, saying, I know who you are. I know what you are capable of. I know your strength. I know your weakness. I know what I can do with you. You don't need to overthink about yourself. Come to me just as you are. I'm not expecting you to be 100% perfect to come to me. I am not expecting you to be correct all the time. I'm a God of grace. I'm going to establish a covenant. This particular covenant, Abrahamic covenant, is an unconditional covenant. And it is, there's nothing that you and I need to do for us to receive this blessing. And so here, how does God just react to Abraham's mistake after he, he goes back into Egypt? Not only he goes back into Egypt, he tells the king of that land, Pharaoh, that his wife is his sister. And the king, Pharaoh, was going to get like a, this Sarah into his home as one of those wives. And God would never allow us to tamper with his plan. Even if we make a mistake, God sends a plague into the house of Egypt and brings Sarah out from there without getting blemished. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times when we are in God's hand, right? even when we try to make a mistake, God protects us from making a mistake. God stops that. God will send a plague to stop it. So then he pulls Abraham aside in the next chapter, Genesis 13, and verses 14 through 17. Here's what God says. Why are you trying to buy this land? Or why are you trying to do everything on your own to get the land? It is I who is going to give you the land. I told you that I'll take care of this situation that you're going through. And, and he says to Abraham, lift your eyes. This is Genesis 13, verses 14. He says, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, 
walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. The thing is, God is, God is saying to Abraham, please, don't please somebody to get the land. When I give you the land to you, that land is going to have plenty for you. I know more than what you can think or imagine need in this earth. And what does that tell me today? When I read that portion, what does that tell me uh, is this. God has given you and me a land, a territory right now. The territory that God has given to you and me is the home that we are living in right now. For some of us, it is beyond that home. He's given the neighborhood or the city or, you know, he's, he knows he's asking us to come out and look. The place that I have placed, the, the place, the, 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 it's not the, uh, the physical location. This, this, uh, this uh, area uh, that God is talking about is the spiritual, in the spiritual realm. He has given us this territory. And the territory to us is our children. The territory that God has given to us is the business that we are being in. The territory that God has given to us is the work that we go to. And God is saying, walk around your territory because that territory that I have given it to you, that, that the land that I have given it to you is yours to keep. You, you cannot let your territory be taken away by this enemy. You just need to walk around and see what God has given to you and me. What is that God has given to you as a territory? For some of us, it could be just our family. It could be just our wife or our husband and our children. And God is saying, that's yours. You can never let the enemy take over that land. For some of us, it's the ministry that God has given to us that nobody should be able to run over. If God has given you a vision, if God has given you a calling in your life, you just need to put that calling into his feet and say, God, this calling that you've given to me is my territory. I'm going to protect and guard that territory. We need to walk around. We cannot leave any room. And that's what God is saying to us this morning. I have, I have no idea what vision or calling that God has placed in your life. That is the land that God will give his blessing to protect. If he has shown you the land that you are supposed to be, you've got to be like an Abraham or Abraham at this point. You've got to be like an Abraham taking over your land. You've got to be praying over your land. You've got to be working towards what God has already placed in your heart. 
and in your mind. The second thing that God says to Abraham is this. Abraham says, I will make you a great nation. And, and the thing is that the nation means now it's the land, it's the people, it's the government. Three things put together is what makes a nation, right? The land, people, and the government or the leaders required to make it to work. The first thing that we will do is this. God is actually answering this very promise several times in the life of Abraham. And in fact, there are two places that we will go to this morning where God is very specifically addressing that he is going to give Abraham this nation. Right after the chapter 12 and 13, 14 years goes by and Abraham is, is, is still like a bear. His wife is still barren. He's just uh, getting very antsy. And he's just like really not sure what he can do without a child. God has promised him a, a nation come out of it. The people come out of it. But there is nothing coming out of Sarah. Right? And so he's, he's of this fear going to God. And, and he's just like a, um, really not sure what to do. And God comes again in chapter 15, and he's speaking to Abraham, and he says, uh, you know, um, don't be fearful, right? God is saying, don't, don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? A lot of times it's the fear that is in us causes us to separate ourselves from God. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear that, the, you know, we may have trusted God too much. God, could it be that, you know, this is not what you really wanted me to have? Right? But God is addressing his fear. And while he's addressing his fear, uh, and Abraham, Abraham turns around and asks, God, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the hair of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Right? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, is my hair. hair. My, my, my servant is all I have. In fact, what could have happened here is that Eleazar is the one he's talking about. He would have been a, a baby born in his house to one of his servants. And so because he doesn't have any kid, a child born to his servant is the one who's going to you know, take over everything that, that Abraham has. What about me, God? What about me? We need to have that kind of like a harness conversation with God. We have to be like when things are not working, we need to ask God and have a raw, honest conversation with him. And the God of this universe will absolutely answer your question. If you question God, 
about something that is happening in your life that you don't know the answer for, know this for sure, God will answer your question. God is not a God who's going to watch, you know, us with the, live with the confusion. He's going to give you answer. He's going to give you more than the answer that you're looking for sometimes. He, here's what the, he did to Abraham. This is a beautiful part. When after Abraham asked this question, God could have just like a brushed him off saying, come on, Abraham, I told you I will take care of you. I told you that everything is going to be all right. You should just trust me. Why are you not trusting me, right? That's how God could have answered Abraham. But instead, here's what God is doing. First, he assures him with his word. He says to Abraham in verse 4 and 5 right, of chapter 15, he says, no, 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 no. That servant's baby, that's not going to be your hire. In fact, you know, he says, look now towards the heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them, and he said, so shall your descendants be. The first thing that God saying to Abram, God is already seeing the end before you and I can see the end. God can see what's coming in your life tomorrow. God can see what's going to come in your life next week. God can see what's going to come next month, next year, next 10, 15, 20 years in your life. And he says, I know the climax. I know the end of what's going to happen. Let me tell you, don't get, don't. sometimes when we watch this, like a, the thriller movies, we really want to know the end, whether the hero wins or the villain wins, right? And God says, let me fast forward your own life and I'll show you that you are going to end well. Your life is going to end well. In fact, you will have more than what you can handle. That's the God we serve. This morning, God will give you more than what we can think or ask. And that's what he told Abraham. But he makes it one more thing with Abraham that was just so beautiful. He says to Abraham in, in verse 9 and 9, he says, bring me three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, turtle dove, and young pigeon. And he brought all these to him and cut them into two, down in the middle, and place on each side opposite to each other. And he did not cut the bird into two. And when the vulture came down on the Caucasus, Abram drove them away. What is God doing? He's just like, a, you know, trying to explain it to Abram. Abram, this is how a covenant is going to be done. If, if I don't follow what you know, I'm promising you, you have every right to cut me in the middle just like these animals and you can throw me on both sides of the road. Right? In fact, in those days, 
this kind of covenant when the people were made, they actually physically cut an animal into two parts and both the people will walk in the middle of that. Middle of that to say that if any one of them is not following the covenant, he can be cut off into two pieces just like those animals. That's how serious this covenant is. That's how serious to God this covenant is. That's how much he believes in Abraham to have a blessing. That's how much God believes in you and me to be blessed because of this covenant. And that's because God knows the end. God knows how we all are going to see him one day face to face. And not only cut them into two parts, in verse 17 of Genesis 15, it says, It came to pass, when the sun went down, it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Here's the thing. In the night, as the sun went down, Abraham saw the torch of God, the presence of God, go through in the middle of those cut pieces, the cut caucuses. God went through in the middle. And what we don't read in this Bible is that God did not take Abraham with him in the middle, just like any other covenant, it was just God going through in the middle. There is nothing that you and I need to do in order for us to enjoy what God is about to do through this covenant. If, if, if I break this covenant, this is what God is saying, if I break this covenant, may the same thing happen to me, may I be destroyed if I don't keep this covenant. That's how serious God is about creating a nation, creating a people for Abraham. And then, in, in chapter 17, actually, he says about this nation, God even talks to Abraham later. He just like tells him in Genesis 17, right? He says, you are not going to be called Abraham anymore. He's, he's going to be calling him Abraham, right? And we saw that a little bit uh, earlier last year too. And that he's saying, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. We should write this verse on a piece of paper and, because we need to read this thing every single day of our life. Genesis 17 Verses 6, this is the heart of God for every one of us. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. If, if there is anything that you're lacking tomorrow, you can ask God, what am I doing here, God? Wasn't I supposed to be exceedingly fruitful? God knows the covenant he made with Abraham that applies to you and me. And I will make you, I'll make nations of you, kings 
shall come from you. God is trying to say, a government will be established through you. There will be a kings, not just king, kings going to come out of this generation. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for everlasting, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. I will give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. If, if anything that the enemy is trying to put in your heart or mind today, oh, this, this whole thing with my marriage is broken. Oh, my, my kids are not just aligned. Oh, I have this sickness in my body. You have to go to God because he is very clear about his covenant. He says, like, the moment, you know, I don't do any of these things, you, are, you have every right to cut me into two pieces. That's how serious the God of this universe is about this covenant to you and me. So what is this covenant that he's talking about? That, that this, he said that there's a land given to me. Okay, great. There is a nation given to me, but there's more to it. He says in the next verse, I will bless those who bless you. That's one of the blessings. This is a very serious blessing. And this is a blessing I've never understood. What do you mean by God? I will bless those who bless you. Because you and I are part of the covenant. Because you and I are part of the descendants of Abraham through Christ. Because you and I are written this, this portion of the scriptures, in the scriptures, God is saying, I will bless those, I will bless the people who bless you. You have to be gracious in accepting grace from people. I've seen sometimes when I go to uh, dinners with people, and if I happen to pay for the dinner, they, they would say, oh, next time, let me pay for it. Basically what they're saying, let me repay what you've already paid here, right? I heard uh, one of the pastor's wife, one day she was in a hurry. She was uh, uh, going to get some breakfast before she goes to work. And so she stops by a McDonald's, and as she was standing in the line, there was just this one guy in front of her, but he is arguing with that lady for, for, a, for a, a, a Mc, uh, like a biscuit or something, which it says like a $1 um, uh, in, in all the ads. But when he went to the counter, uh, and the lady asked for $1.08. And he was saying, you didn't say there will be another $0.08. Cents. You only said $1. Right? He's arguing and he's refusing to pay the $0.08. Cents. After a few minutes, this uh, pastor's wife was getting really antsy. And she says to this gentleman, she tapped on her, on him, and said, sir, would you take my $20 and pay for this food? 
all she was trying to do is like, you know, give him some money so he will move away so she can buy the food and run to her work. And the man turned around, this homeless man turned around and looked at that lady and the pastor's wife and said, ah, so you are the one I've been praying for since this morning. And the, and the, and the pastor's wife felt so small at that point in time. And, and the reason why I'm saying this story is because sometimes, like, we think that because we have this resource, we can just, like, you know, um, you know, take care of uh, somebody's uh, problem or uh, somebody's uh, food or somebody's, uh, you know, things. But sometimes, uh, you know, it is also good to receive a blessing from somebody else. It's, it's good to, you and I need to accept that grace from someone because the, by accepting that blessing from somebody, we are actually giving access to that person, the Abrahamic blessing upon their life. When they bless you and me, God is going to bless them. There was a two separate situations. God spoke to me very specifically about this particular light of a blessing. I was there in Texas and I had like an amazing time speaking at Carroll Unit in Houston, Texas and I finished speaking and I'm coming down from the pulpit and uh, this, this man, one of the inmates from that prison comes to me and, and he says to me, brother, over the years I've worked in prison, I've saved some money, can I give you this money? And my immediate response to him is like, oh, no, 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 please don't do it. You've just like earned, these guys earn such small amount of money for working in prison. I didn't want to take that, you know. But right before the words came out of my mouth, God reminded me of this Abrahamic covenant and he said, don't take the blessing out of this man. Don't take the blessing out of this man. I'm ready to bless this man. I'm ready to give him what he has lost. And, and accepting this blessing gives an access to this man to be blessed. And, and if someone is asking if to, to help you carry things, let them. When they bless you, they are going to be blessed. The next thing is also very important. He says, I will curse those who curse you. Can you imagine if someone curses you? Man, they are in trouble. I've heard Miss Sarah talk about this several times. Don't be mean to Miss Sarah. Right? And, and the thing is this. If anyone tries to be mean to you, you don't need to worry about that person. You can walk away from that person. Why? Because the Bible says the vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And, and we don't need to take our vengeance upon the people. If someone talks bad about you, walk away from that place. You don't need to take a shot at them back. The moment they touch you, the moment they start to plot against you, then they are touching the apple of his eyes. 
you and I, our faces are tattooed in his hands. In fact, in the book of Exodus, God is speaking to Moses and he says, if you're careful to obey, if you're careful to obey him, following all the instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. God says, I will become an adversary to your adversaries. If God becomes an enemy to our enemy, what will happen to them? Man, they don't have a chance. And the thing is, God wants to establish a family through Abraham so that the family of Abraham will become the family of this nation. But God wants to establish this by, by three things. Number one, giving a territory. You and I have a territory that God has already given to. God, is, God will establish a nation through our generation, through our children, through our children's children. For the next 16 generations, he's going to establish a nation through each and every one of us. And then he says, you know how I will bless that nation? You know how I will bless that land? If anyone comes after that land, I will go after that person. But if anyone shows grace to that land, to that nation, to that people, I will bless them. In fact, you know, Galatians chapter um, you know, 4 talked about this, uh, 4.13. But here, Paul sums it up in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow hires of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and the builder is God. This was God knowing what Abraham can bring to the table. He just like a used Abraham as a vessel for extending his kingdom upon this earth. And today, God is looking for that same Abraham to establish, and that is you and me. If only we live like Abraham, if only we become, our, our lifestyle becomes like him, then God says, I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Think of it this way. If I just move fast forward four, six thousand years from where this word was written or said to, to today, now it is applicable to you and me that same seven blessings, seven promises apply to you and me. If only we obey his voice. If only we listen to him.
lot of times that obedience is not even required off of this covenant. But when we get like a blast so far in this, it is us who actually refuse to be where God wants us to be. We actually walk away from this blessing when we think that, oh, I don't deserve to get this blessing. God is saying, you actually don't need to do anything. You just like a show up and I will be your God. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for this message this morning and how the covenant that God made with Abraham is so practical and applies to us today. We think it's just a story in the Old Testament, but it's so practicable and and relevant to us and our lives. You know, God's not looking for someone to use their own resources and their own strengths and weaknesses. He's looking for us to be obedient to this covenant that he gave to Abraham. And he gives us the promise of the land, the nation. And he gives us the promise of our land and how our land is not a physical place. It's our family, our children, our wife, our spouse, our neighborhood. Where he places us is our land, our workplace. And don't let that territory he's given us be taken by the enemy. Don't give the enemy a foothold. You have to protect, cultivate, nurture it. And only God can do that. And when things are not working well, and when we doubt, have a conversation with God. Ask him, and he will answer. And we, he will make us exceedingly fruitful, and he will bless those who bless us. All in this covenant that he made with Abraham so many, many years ago. And you and I are part of that covenant that we will cannot forget. He will curse those who curse us. We can walk away when there's mean things said. Because vengeance is mine. So, territory or nation, the nation will be blessed. And he's looking for Abraham's. He's looking for Abraham's. Are we going to be obedient to his voice? That sums it up. Are we going to be obedient? We're going to be an Abraham. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility.